Hey, everybody. Hi, guys. I am Cece. I'm Alex. I'm James. And joining us for a very special talk is Sasha Graham. She is yeah. a, uh, the creator of the Darkwood Tarot deck, an author, and an actress. So this is just, it's wonderful to have you here. Thank you so much for joining us, Sasha. Yes, yes. Thank you for inviting me up to the 13th floor. <laughs> so, so excited to have you here. Yeah, and I was thrilled to know that you like the show so much. Yeah. It was a very, very nice <laughs> surprise. You guys are awesome. Awesome. Aww, I love you. the burial. I love the burial episode. Like oh, the crazy yes. That was a good one. <laughs> that, was, that was a fun one. I learned a lot that one. Yeah. <laughs> now, now oh. one thing that I know we're going to be talking about quite a bit is tarot. And I was just wondering, just assuming we have no frame of reference at all, what is tarot? So uh, tarot is a deck of cards and it's a deck of cards that um, as far as we can trace it back goes back to the Renaissance in Italy and it differs from a pack of regular playing cards um, because in addition to playing games with them, people usually tell the future. It's known to be sort of like a gypsy fortune teller mm -hmm. kind of device, like a crystal ball. Uh, you spread the cards out and can tell someone's future or psychically or intuitively read the cards. And yeah, and it's, it's different from a pack of playing cards in that there's pictures on it and that they have an additional 23 cards, the or 22 cards, the major arcana. Oh. And do you think it originated as a game or evolved from divination to play or vice versa? I think cards themselves, all playing cards, originated as a game. Mm -hmm. But I I my instinct is that tarot is something altogether quite different. I think mm -hmm. that it was very possibly a learning tool because um like the oldest tarot deck we have predates the Gutenberg press. So this is before the general public in Europe were literate and, and, and the church and everybody was communicating their messages visually. So I think that it may have been um, something about a moral code. I think there may have been definitely esoteric secrets hidden inside, but yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Cool. I've never heard that before. Thank you. Oh, goodness. <laughs> I was wondering when when you personally became interested in tarot. Well, I'm a Halloween baby. Oh, almost <laughs> oh. happy birthday then! Yeah, happy birthday! Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's almost Scorpio season. I um, so I kind of just always felt as if I was a witch. And that I was like a goblin, you know, and so reading, <laughs> I thought was just my automatic birthright. So when I got my first deck of cards at 12 years old and I opened them up and I was like, didn't know what I was looking at. I was like, oh my God, this is terrible. And it actually inspired my first book, book Tarot Diva, because I didn't ever want anybody to get overwhelmed by the cards because they're so fun and they're so cool, but it can be overwhelming when you open up your first deck and are trying to figure out what they mean. Yeah, I imagine it probably takes quite, some, uh, quite a bit of practice to figure out how to read them because I know that a lot of it has to do with like the order you draw them in and the way that they land. And so I imagine that takes, takes a bit of practice. Well, it takes practice to develop, mm -hmm. you know, it takes time to develop your tarot practice, but in all of my classes, especially the beginner's classes, anybody can read a tarot card because tarot is really just a reflection of, of our, the human psyche. So you have all of your life experience and you read the cards like a graphic novel, you tell a story and boom, you're reading tarot. 
So anybody can read immediately. I really love that analogy of the uh, the graphic novel. As a big comic book fan myself, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I can appreciate that uh, analogy. But uh, you mentioned that you already have a book on tarot, but I heard you have a new book coming. Can you tell us more about it? Yes, I just so happen to have it right here. The magic of tarot. Phenomenal graphics. I love, I love the, co- the cover. It's yeah. awesome. Artwork's it's awesome. Really- Gorgeous. This is um, by Abigail Larson. She illustrated the cover. She's also the illustrator of my Darkwood Tarot deck. So the two kind of go together. Um, And she's unbelievable. She also illustrated the Nightmare Before Christmas Tarot. And she's currently working as an animator, I think, for Netflix. I mean, she's phenomenal. Um, Yeah. And so, so this particular book just kind of dives into tarot basics, but also how to make magic with your cards. I love it. (laughs) Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, And I know that you mentioned you have your deck, the Darkwood deck. How does that deck differ and how do different tarot decks differ from one another? Because I've been to one tarot reading personally myself and the, um, person who gave me my reading had like 20 different decks and we had to pick which one and I'm like okay how does how do they differ so and 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 right now there are literally thousands and thousands of different tarot decks on the market so most tarot decks follow the a similar format uh which follows the Rider Waite Smith tarot deck so most decks mine included um are Rider Waite Smith clones meaning the essential symbolism kind of remains true to that deck which is really great because there's so much esoteric um uh, uh secrets and uh, embedded into that deck and then what happens is it's like um each tarot deck is its own aesthetic so like i i made this haunted house tarot deck and this is like a gothic <laughs> novella horror vampire deck oh, so love it. If you're feeling kind of like sexy and romantic or you have questions <laughs> about that you might pull from a deck like this um they have vampire decks halloween decks fairy decks i mean any kind of um thing you can imagine they created a tarot deck for so it really just depends on your mood and and the most important thing about learning how to read the cards is finding a deck you vibe with that you go back to again and again and again um so that's why there's so many different decks on the market um plus people collect them like book collectors and and movie collectors tarot collectors are quite voracious in their collection (laughs) well they're so pretty they are they're so cool yeah Yeah. now uh i'm curious then Crowley's tarot deck is it based in the same format (laughs) that I'm so glad you brought that up no I mean Uh, I didn't figure he followed any mold (laughs) (laughs) and in fact that's so funny that's a deck that 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 a lot of readers including myself will not read with Mm, um, because it is really full of a very particular energy and um, while the structure of the deck numerically remains true to a traditional tarot. The imagery in it is just, it, it, it's like going into an energy vortex mm-hmm. um, and not necessarily an energy that I enjoy communing with. So that's why I don't work with it. But yeah, no, the Crowley deck does not uh, follow the Rider Waite Smith, although they were all members of the Golden Dawn. That's the right. secret society where those decks came from. Interesting. Now, uh, whenever you're doing a reading, uh, what's what's actually 
happening? What's transpiring to cause uh, this, this understanding between the uh, person who's doing the reading and the person who's receiving it? So it's really different for every person who reads cards in that. And this is something I talk a lot about again in my classes, like we really are all um, spirits in the material world, right? In these temporary bodies. And therefore the way we experience the world, the way we experience our psychic intuition, the way we even like taste food or listen to music is different, right? So <laughs> nobody reads tarot in the same way. Our, the way we interface with the material world is as unique as our kiss. Mm -hmm. So the best way that I could probably describe what happens in a tarot reading in general is that it's almost like painting a painting, writing a poem, creating a piece of art, acting in a scene. Um, the, the person brings their gifts and their intuitions. Uh, and sometimes like I've heard stories about people who are so psychic that they literally just use the, the, the tarot as something to focus on because they need something in the reading for the energy to go to. So I've heard stories like that, um, but it's different for everyone. You lay out the cards, you get the energy of the client, you open yourself up to whatever you're vibing with and it starts to flow. Oh, interesting. Now, do you ever use uh, other kinds of divination at all or is it mostly tarot? That's a, that's a great question. No, I, I'm pretty much, well, you know, I'm pretty much straight up tarot. I mean, I love to scry into crystal balls. That's really fun. And recently I've tried channeling, which is, I, it's a different way of reading the tarot, um, only because a dear friend of mine is a medical medium and intuitive, and she's taught me how to channel and it's a lot of fun. But no, mostly I, mostly I stick to the tarot. But the interesting thing is, when you do get really kind of comfortable with the cards, you don't even really need them because you can read anything in your life visually as if it's a tarot card. Interesting. There's a, there's a lot of parallels with what you just said and mentioning uh, dealing with your own subconscious with the I Ching. Have you ever used the I Ching at all? I have. I, well, I, I wrote an article about it for... Mm -hmm. I think a Russian magazine was it a Russian magazine mm -hmm. anyway it was really interesting because then of course I had to start reading with it after I was like describing where it comes from and how it works what I found interesting about the I Ching is that it is a very complicated system it takes a while to get mm -hmm. to the message so by the time you get to the message you're really paying attention. And it's just a great lesson in why preparing and sort of some of the rituals that go along with certain types of things in tarot card reading just help kind of focus the energy. So by the time you get to the message, you're like, Ooh. <laughs> there it is. <clears throat> I like how you mentioned that, like you can just like kind of piece together things that are in your actual world to, to find messages because that's something that I feel like I do quite often. Sometimes I'm like, am I reading into this? But then sometimes I'm like, no, this is, there's something going on here. But I was wondering just like basic, what is magic? Cause I know that there's a lot to it. Yeah, well, I mean, I think on the, on the most basic level magic is um, really like your authentic true self coming into alignment with the expanding energy of the universe. Okay. Expanding any energy. Uh, I am so sending you a video of a talk that we had. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. You'll, you're going to enjoy it. 
<laughs> I love that. And I think when, when we, when, and, and one of the things I'm a big fan of is, is I love magic and spells and ritual, but I also love the idea of turning your entire life into a spell that your entire life can become an enchantment. And to me, that's really where the tarot comes in strong um, with its symbolism, because it's, it's a lot harder to actually um, do than it sounds because it means that um, you're able to separate yourself from what's going on in your mind. It means you're not, you're having emotions, but you're not identifying them with your emotions. You're not repressing stuff. I mean, it's like a cool kind of tricky zone to be in. And at the same time, you've kind of got like your end goal. It's very much like being in flow. Um, but I've seen time and time again, the miraculous and unbelievable things that happen when, when you really practice being in that state. I mean, it's brought me around the world. You know, like I can feel like, I mean, I legit was doing this amazing spell. It was like a small daily thing where I was like, I really wanted to travel and we didn't have really have the budget for it. And so I said, okay, every day I'm going to spend 10 minutes looking for the world in my backyard or looking for the world in New York City and being a traveler. And less than two years later, the travel started coming. I started getting booked around the world. I went to China twice, to Mount Everest, to, to the Dead Sea in the Middle East. I went, oh, it was like unbelievable. And it, I, I just, magic really works. It really works. It really works. And I think a lot of people do it without even realizing that they yeah. do Well, that's, that's what I think that a lot of people manifest things by just kind of thinking and concentrating on them, so. Yeah. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Very cool. This is this is a bit of a Supreme Court question. It's a three-parter. Ooh, all um, right. So one, I think we we probably know the answer to this, but do you believe in psychics? Oh, I believe everybody's psychic. Hmm. Okay. So okay, that answers the second one because I was gonna I'm waiting ask, for you to try to there... catch her in a trap or something, Jay. <laughs> 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 uh, but uh uh, so the second part then is, you know, if if everybody's psychic, is there any difference between people who may be more or less sensitive than when they do readings versus people who are less so? Oh, yeah. Is there a difference? Ab mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the interesting thing I find about the nature of psychic ability is that it can't be counted on. Like if you're a marathon runner and you know, you've got to like, you know, balls to the wall at the end of the marathon to cry, you know what I mean? Like, you know, when, to, right. but I, I yeah. feel like a psychic ability is one of those things that the nature of it is that it, it's, it's, un, it, you don't know when it's going to come because the, my definition of psychic is the information that comes from outside of you that enters your body, which is different than the intuition. Um, yeah. Good deal. Uh, you, you passed with flying colors. No stumps there. <laughs> well, I have a really quick, just kind of offshoot question. But when it comes to trying to find somebody to give a reading to you, um, how do you find somebody that you connect with? Like, do you have any tips for that? Because th sometimes I'm like, I want to go and get one, but I don't know anybody that I necessarily trust to give it to me here in our little area. Yeah. Okay. So thank you for asking. It's such a good question. And I think that finding the right psychic or intuitive to read you is so important. And I think a lot of people kind of give up their power and think that um, maybe they'll hear about a psychic from a friend and just like run to go like have a reading with them. It's when you're getting, all right, when you, 
it's really important to protect yourself and actually really talk to the person, interview the person who is going to potentially give you a psychic or a tarot reading. Why? Mm -hmm. Because the power of suggestion is so strong. And what happens, no matter who you go to, you're going to be getting so much of their personality along with the information Mm -hmm. of the reading. Yeah. Um, The other interesting, one of the things that's so special about reading, psychic readings or reading tarot, is the moment somebody puts a tarot deck in front of you and you're being read, um, a person, and this is what makes it so special, a person tends to let all of their defenses down because they feel that that reader can see them. Mm-hmm. And it's this really interesting thing, right? Because think about like how often during your day do you feel like you have 20, 30 minutes where someone's focusing on you and really see, not just sees you, but sees everything about you because that's what we that's what we want they we want them to see us so it's this very kind of sacred vulnerable space that um that happens and which is why therapists say like i'll get so much faster with a deck of tarot cards with a client than i will in six months worth of therapy um (laughs) so it's so so you just it's really important to ask the psychic or the reader what kind of information they give, um, if they're a predictive reader telling you about your future, if they would talk about bad things or if they saw something dark, maybe how they might deliver that news um, and, get, and, and get to know if you like vibe on their energy. That's really important too. Yeah. And then if you're somewhere where you don't know where there's a lot of great psychics, I mean, the good news is there's so many ways to get readers now. They're all on Instagram and TikTok and, you know, Facebook <laughs> and you guys, I have I have so many wonderful readers I could put you in touch with. So yeah, <laughs> I'll definitely reach out because that's something that I'm like I've always been interested in getting another one. I had my first reading like years ago, and it was okay, but I don't think that I did enough research. So mm. that's what why I've of, been cautious. What it was, kind of reading? Uh, it was just a tarot reading, um, and it was with a woman in Kentucky that me and my my friend found her. And I was like, okay, I'll go. And it was just okay. I got the peacock deck. That was the one that I, I picked. It's the peacock deck. Which I was like, oh, oh, that's the one thing I remember from the, uh, from the session. But anyway, research next time. I know I got to do my research now. Yeah, I know, you know how, and I can just ask Sasha. She'll give me, it all makes sense. Me yeah, it does. Cause I feel like you have to vibe with the person that you're going to go see because otherwise it's just going to be awkward and you're not going to trust the information that you're given. So exactly. Exactly. And I, and I'm, and I'm a big fan for like, I want the drama. Like when I walk in to get a reading, I want chocolates. I want tea, velvet, candles, (laughs) crystals. I want some lashes being batted at me. Like I love that. It's a very sensual art form. And so, yeah, like you, I think you should, if you can find someone like that, um, it's just makes it all that much more fun. I love it. I love it. That's you'll have to point me in someone, the direction, of somebody who does that because i already have someone in mind for you (laughs) all right perfect now sasha this is a bit of a pivot or maybe it's not but what are your thoughts on the whole white versus dark magic or curses oh oh okay so um i do believe that there's lots of dark magic out there. And I think that um, the best way to protect yourself ethically when you're cast, when you're creating magic or casting magic, um, and it's the same as when you're reading tarot cards, is um, that you would never do something to someone else that you wouldn't want done to you. 
bottom line, right? The witch's rule of three, whatever you put out comes back three times. It's also like the law of attraction, right? So um, when you're ca- creating magic, you're not casting spells on the outside world. You're casting the magic on yourself, right? Yeah. That's yeah. where the power comes in. Is there dark magic? Oh, hell yeah. Does a curse to hold power, especially when people believe in the power of curses, the power of, of, of tarot lies in the fact that people believe in the cards and enter the cards and work with the cards. Mm-hmm. Um, so the more people believe in darkness and partake in darkness, the more powerful that thing becomes. Um, yeah. So, and so, so yes, I, I believe in all of that stuff. <laughs> okay. It's nerve wracking. We interviewed a war, was it a warlock or a witch? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of the Many things you're saying ago. reminds me of Caleb, which I actually talked at length uh, about Caleb to Bill Brady. <laughs> so yeah, Conrad introduced me to Bill and Bill introduced me to you. And I'm grateful to both of them for that. <laughs> okay. And he, he, was, he mentioned curses and that yeah. type of thing. Now, he doesn't normally do that, but there might be extreme scenarios where he may. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you're really, I think that that what you focus on, you are, you know, and and I think I think it's a very dangerous, very dangerous thing. Yeah. Even I know there's like one of like a really easy spell is like binding spells where like you write somebody's name and like put it in an ice cube tray and like free, I, even that, I, I just think, no, it's you have to take responsibility for yourself. It all com- begins and ends with you. Otherwise, you're meddling in things that are not your business. Well, I, I know that you have ghost events, ghost story events, and they're in Brooklyn, right? Yes, they I, are. Oh, it is so, it is so much fun. And so, yeah, it's once a month in Brooklyn and it's at this tasting room, the Barrows Intense Tasting Room. But what's phenomenal is they have this incredible courtyard with a big fire pit and tons of white lights and delicious craft cocktails. So I bring psychics and horror writers together and Ah. do like an hour and a half to two hours of just crowdsourced ghost stories. I give away like prizes, like I give away like a haunted house tarot deck every time. And it's just so fun. People dig it. Like See, I've been trying to convince Alex uh, to move to New York City for some time. We can go to go start going some, to some ghost story events. Yeah, ghost story events. I think that sounds like so but much fun. You're not a horror writer or a psychic. I know. Well, <laughs> I'm a yes. writer though. You are a writer. And ghost. I've had a ghost experience before. There so. you go. Anyways, oh, we want to hear. So we're turning it into a podcast at some point. So I would love to hear your. Oh, I well, I'd love to have you live. Um, <laughs> I'd love to get you on to hear your ghost story. Yes, yes, I've awesome. had a couple. I've always been really scared of them, but James has had some yeah. doozies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. All right, I'm gonna have yeah. to have all you guys on. I've mm. never had an experience. Yeah, he's he, Alex is kind of like the skeptic. The way the way <laughs> the podcast Alex or James is the believer. I'm the in betweener, and Alex is the skeptic. So mm. he hasn't had any oh, yeah. scary. I'm not yet. skeptic about everything, but 
I haven't, I haven't had a ghost experience. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> I just think it's walled off. I think you could walk through like the Gettysburg battlefields and be like, I don't feel nothing. <laughs> I feel nothing um, here. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you, you mentioned archetypal energies and it immediately, I mean, because again, I, a big fan of the I Ching, it, it makes me think of Jung. And so what, what do you mean by archetypal energies? And is there a connection to Jung or, or vice yeah. versa? Is Jung connected to it? Yeah. I mean, I think that, I think that Jung came up with the best definition, I think of exactly what an archetypal um, energy is. And, and it really gets to the heart of, again, the gift of a tarot card reading, right? An archetype, an archetype is something that collectively all of humanity understands, regardless of our race, our culture, um, our socioeconomic standing. And it's why the tarot works, because when the lover card comes up, you don't even have to explain. Everybody knows what lovers are. Everybody knows father, the emperor, mother, the high, you know, the um, the empress. So an archetypal energy is is kind of like the original form of these ideas and things that make us human. And then with tarot, it becomes like the cards kind of become a gateway where you can literally go right in. It's very, it's a lot like Tibetan Buddhism in the sense that um, Tibetan Buddhists will meditate with their gods and goddesses and bodhisattvas. You can literally meditate into the card and then start to commune with that energy. Uh, the same way an herbalist might work with herbs or um, like lots of magic is, is done. So, yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. So, uh, you know, I'm pivoting a lot in this one. But, um, you know, we talked before we got we got on here about how I, I like scary movies. My daughter likes scary things. And you're, you said your daughter or you said your, did you say you had a son or a daughter? A daughter. Okay. You said that they like some, some things that are a little spooky too. Um, now, what film did you, because I know you have a history of acting. Um, what film did you have the most fun being in? You mean acting in? Yes. <laughs> Oh, you know, there was this movie, the first thing that comes to mind, there was this really fun movie that I did called The Vicious Suite in 1997 that had all these crazy dream sequences. And I played a B movie. It was very meta. I played a B movie star and at the time was a B movie star. And so my dreams were like all these different kind of B movie scenarios. So way before zombies were a thing, I was literally had like a scene with like 30 zombies in this totally wrecked warehouse, like screaming. That was the first day of shooting, screaming and yelling and running away from, it was so fun. It was so fabulous. But I will say too, I did a series of vampire movies at the Addicted to Murder series. And that was vamping it up in New York City. So we used like the Dakota and Central Park and it's like 1995. So I thought I was like, I was in my Anne Rice, like heaven. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. I'm I'm particularly curious about uh, the is it the magic of cooking, the magic oh, the kitchen, enchan the enchanted kitchen, enchanted kitchen. Dang it! Yeah, there we yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank you for for asking about that. So my husband's a food photographer, and that's uh, how I made him. Yeah. Yeah, and a video <laughs> guy, and so he was like, "Sash, why don't we do like a series?" 
um, sort of like a short video series where you show people how to make magic in the kitchen, because that's something that I'm a huge fan of. I like to put magic in anything, like even when you're washing the dishes, like, right? Why not make everything a magic spell? And kitchen, <laughs> kitchen ma magic is sensual and delicious and fun. So we created this series and Tom Skerritt's media company, um, Hey You, out in Seattle, mm. um, scooped it up and gave us some funding and, and put it out there for us. And yeah, it's this fabulous short series about just how to imbue any recipe with magical intention. And mm. the best part about magic spells, I will tell you if you've never cast a spell, is that the energy, the space that you create in this spell is even more special than whatever your goal or desire is. So when you're doing gardening magic or kitchen magic, it's just so delicious and fun. And it takes a special place in your home and makes it that much more special, I think. So I'm a big fan of that kind of stuff. Wow. Uh, One of the ooh. things I like about you, Sasha, so far is that I really like your positivity and the, what you bring to all this. Like I always thought magic, uh, maybe with even with some of our earlier interviews is uh, <laughs> maybe something like a little ominous a little bit. Right. And um, there's so much positivity coming from you that it's really interesting and it feels like a really great thing. Thank you. It is, it is a really great thing. And I mean, at the end of the day, it comes down to, it comes down to kind of owning your supernatural power, you know, and, and traditionally, um, you know, it's only been within the last 10 years that magic has gone mainstream, not even 10 years, like probably ever since, I don't know, Instagram got popular. Witch talk. Yeah. <laughs> off and everybody's got a tarot deck and that's great because, you know, for years, you couldn't find a tarot deck anywhere. And if you walked into like an esoteric witch store, like in the East Village, or if you were lucky enough to have one in whatever town you lived in, um, oftentimes it was this kind of dark foreboding, foreboding um, thing. Like if you're not part of a club, this is not for you. And that always really bothered me because to me, it seemed kind of, to be honest with you, as snotty as, so as snotty as a lot of like very snooty religions. Cause like I got thrown into Catholicism in middle school and they made me feel like such an outsider. Cause I didn't know the rituals and the, this and the, that. And I was like, what, what is the point of all of this? If you're going to be some sort of like an intellectual, like, um, uh, uh, know it all about it. Mm -hmm. and make, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. this is magic, really? Because you're not, none of this is magical. And I know what magic is, right? And we all do because we've all been in those spaces of magic, right? We've all had ghost stories or interfaced in some crazy way. I mean, we've all looked at somebody across the room and like known immediately they were going to play a part in our life. Like, the world is so innately magical. Um, yeah, so... So thank you, thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. And I, and I, and I just, I do think it, it comes from, you know, it was just something that was very much in the shadows for so long. But. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. Oof. Well, I want to know, do you have any phobias or superstitions? Because as Alex mentioned, you seem so positive and, and brave. And so I'm wondering, do you have anything that just makes you go, huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I do like I am not for whatever reason I'm not ever in a rush to pull out my Ouija board. Oh, <laughs> that would scare me too. 
I love a good talking. I love a talking board and I love to do pendulum stuff, but yeah, not a Ouija board. Mm-hmm. Um, while I do, while I do um, love dark stuff and I love shadow work, I do think it's extremely important um, to practice really good manners um, with things in the invisible world, because you do wind up, what, ha- what winds up happening is when you really move deep into the heart of magic and when, whether you want to call it shamanic journeying or what, what, when you start to set up um, these circumstances where you really start being in in-between spaces and you do actually interface with what I would call archetypal energy at its source, which is not something, it can, it, it can be very big and it can be very overwhelming. It can be very scary. Um, and you shouldn't fear it. You shouldn't fear things that you don't necessarily recognize, but there is darkness and there is nefariousness. And there are um, certain places where you really do need to protect yourself. And look, it's no more dangerous than walking down like the street in New York City or any deserted street, right? I mean, I've been hurt more in my I've, I've never really been hurt by something in the invisible world. I've only ever been hurt by like humans, <laughs> you know, people in this, in this world. But that being said, um, I do, I, I have, I've encountered really frightening things. And I think that I was, that, that you just have to be careful um, and you just have to know where your boundaries lie so that you can retreat if need be, and that you can protect yourself if need be. So yeah, but I think a lot, I think a lot of things like demons, curses, dark stuff, like not too long ago, um, we, you were talking about my husband, he was doing a documentary in this really cool like Baptist church. And I got to see, I, I saw, a, I, I knew it before I even could ask, is, is, is that woman having a demonic possession? Mm. And she was, and it was, yeah, was a... whoa, like, <laughs> whoa, like, was it a demon? Was it something that like, this is an interesting thing that happens, right? In any kind of sacred ritual, it was she just expressing this pent up whatever in a way that makes sense in the context of her church. It's like a psychic surgery, right? Like right. down in Mexico. Um, yeah. Did they really move inside you? Was it all in the imagination? Doesn't make any difference. That energy is powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, it is something. And so, yeah, I do think that you have to be careful and, and, and yeah, and just know your limits. I guess it's probably like S and M or something. <laughs> <laughs> Have a safe word. <laughs> well, that that brings us to our thirteenth question, which is the 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 brainbuster question that I love to ask all of our interviewees, which is, what is your take on the universe and where you fit in it? Oh, oh gosh, I love this question. Thank you. <laughs> it is my honest to God, um, honest to God, I don't really believe in that God, but I mean, I, it is my heartfelt belief um, that each of us are the unfolding eyes of the universe, <laughs> that the universe is expanding and that everything has a consciousness and that when we're experiencing something and seeing something happen or, or encouraging something to happen. The universe is right there seeing it inside of us as well. And that's another reason that magic works because when, when you recognize this and you realize that your life really is kind of a partnership, right? Um, I always say it's like, 
it's like walking into a bar and seeing Brad Pitt, right? But Brad Pitt sees you. Like you look <laughs> at him, but he gotcha. catches your eye and looks back, right? <laughs> um, and so it's this kind of trick, whatever you want to call that divinity, um, the creative principle, God, uh, Buddha, Yo, Yahweh, like whatever. Um, and that's just our human way of like trying to put the absolute undescribable nature of the universe into words. Language is not our friend. This is why sure. art is better um, at expressing these things. Literature and film and, and books can express this stuff. But I, I think that, um, yeah, the nature of the universe is, is expansion and understanding. And so mm. it's why we should repress nothing and fear nothing, even though we do <laughs> so much. Um, because we want to be expanding. And that's why tarot is helpful because it helps you recognize your patterns and then you can change the pattern. Um, it, it, it is the nature of being human to kind of be repetitive. It's the nature of the universe. Things repeat, the sun comes up, it goes down. Um, and I think that there's nothing more kind of tragic than just to lead an unexamined life that repeats everything that your parents did or that your friends do, or that you just do it kind of like not thinking. Um, yeah. I think right. it is, it's, it's all of our like nature to evolve. And I think mm. that's, and, and then when we evolve, we're transforming energy and that's magic. Uh, that's a wonderful that's so answer. Cool. That's so cool. <laughs> what the? Uh, well, thank you so much, Sasha. This has been an absolute delight. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think everybody walked away from it, us included, but certainly the listeners too, with uh, just a tremendous new outlook on, well, a lot of things, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so thank much. Thank you so and, much uh, for having me. This was absolutely. awesome. And this part, we're not going to edit because we know we'll mess it up. But uh, at the end, we always count to three and do say, uh, keep it strange. And again, when we're not looking at each other, we do it fine. But uh, <laughs> so we'd love you to join us. So let's see. One, two, three. Keep, Keep it straight. <laughs> Every time. <laughs>